Welcome to Seven Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Y'all glad to be here? Y'all looking good. Most of you. Well, listen, we're going to cover a couple of scriptures here, three or four that we've been over for several weeks. And I'm not going to digress or go back over that. If you missed it, just need to go online and check it out. But I just want to touch on a few. And I spent the week at the beach. I didn't do a whole lot of anything. Um, I stayed in the room a good bit. Read the word a good bit. I did go out. I mean, don't get me wrong. I went out to the pool and to the beach and did all that fun stuff. But I didn't get in any hurry about going out there. Let me tell you that. <clears throat> I made Jackie text me three times, then I'd go. But I read some word and um, just listened to the Lord. And I'll be honest with you, I thought I had my sermon all figured out. And um, I woke up at 1.30 this morning and laid there at 2.30 and got up at 2.30 and went on the couch till 4.30. And, um, you know, spent some time talking to the Lord. By the time I went back to sleep, the alarm was going off. It's time to come on to church. But um, just because I spent three hours with the Lord, I'm not going to keep you three hours, so don't, don't, don't start getting squirming around. But let's just jump right here into Second Corinthians, the, the fifth chapter and the seventeenth verse. This is one we've gone over several weeks. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when you get born again, you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You don't get a new body. I mean, I, I, nothing changed. When I was in my kitchen, and of course, I got saved several times as a child, but I mean, when I really surrendered my life to Jesus, and I said, this is it, I'm yours, uh, do what you can with what, I, what you got here, uh, I was a grown man, and um, I didn't walk out of the kitchen, I was in my kitchen, it was at 4.50 a.m., and I tell you what, it was about three days from now, uh, it was August 19th, but I didn't walk out of the kitchen uh, uh, with a new body, I had the same body. I had the same scars and uh, same uh, debt and same problems, same issues. But I did have a peace that I never had before, a peace that surpassed all understanding. But what was new was what you couldn't see in my spirit. It wasn't an old beat-up car that we slapped some new tires on in a coat of paint. This thing's brand new, brand new. That's what the word right here says. That he's a new creation. Old's passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know what? People like to point out your faults and your failures, your mistakes, and what you used to do or what you've done in the past. But you, you know what? They can bring you down. You, you can look in the mirror and you can remind yourself of everything you've done wrong. But you need to remind yourself, hey, I'm not who I used to be. I'm a new creation. And he's recreated. I'm perfect in spirit. And so what we've been talking about is the spirit realm and the natural realm and to get things to come from the spirit to the natural because everything you've ever needed, everything you need and everything you will need is already there, already provided to you. It's in the spirit. And to get it to go from the spirit realm into the natural realm, well, that's what we're going to get into. Amen. 
All right, Second Peter it says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. What has he given you? Through his divine power, all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, that's just driving the point home further that what, whatever you need, you've got it. He's already given it to you. He's already provided it to you. Thank you, Jesus. In Ephesians, the first chapter, and we've read a lot in Ephesians and in Romans and these other scriptures, and I'm just going to touch this one here in Ephesians. And this is Apostle Paul writing here, but he says, Who's blessed us in every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ? Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. You've already been given. You've already got it. It's already yours. We're not working for it. We're not trying to achieve it. It's already been given to you. And as we read on down last week and the week before, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of you. So you've got the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwelling on the inside of you. And you say, well, I don't see it. Well, it's in there. It's in there. That's what the Word of God tells us. So it's either the truth or it's a lie. And if it's a lie, I might as well cut this microphone on off and we might as well go in the house. It's the truth. And you've got to get the truth settled. It's the truth. There's only one truth, and that's the Word of God. Anything contrary to that's a lie. You need to build your life on the truth, which is the Word. Amen. Amen. Now, in Colossians, it says, the second chapter, 6 verse, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Now, it's up to you to walk in Him. We've received it by grace, but it's up to us to walk in Him. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. <clears throat> How are you going to get rooted? Is He going to root you? Is he going to plow the garden up and sow the seeds and water it and do all that? No. You're, you're going to have to get rooted into the Word. In other words, you're going to have to intentionally get rooted into the Word of God. If you want to um, have a, a good relationship, I have to intentionally, intentionally spend time with my wife. I had to intentionally go to the beach. It wasn't by accident. We planned it out. Intentional. Intentional. You have to be intentional. You want to reach somebody and share the gospel? Be intentional. Well, you need to be intentional with this word, intentional with your relationship with Christ. Um, get rooted in, built up in him. You can get built up in him. You can get built up in faith. You can get built up just the way you can get built up in fear and doubt. Depends on what you're putting in you, what you listen to, what you're looking at, what news channel you're watching. Cut that trash off. If it's building up fear and doubt, cut it off. You weren't in fear till you till you saw it. Amen. You know, fear is a, a excellent motivator. People make mistakes all the time because they get into fear, and they make bad mistakes. You get into fear, you get into worry, and you end up worrying about something that never was going to happen to begin with. Now. As you've been taught, abounding in it in thanksgiving. Rooted, built up in him, established in the faith, as you've been taught. That's what we're in here. We're being taught. We're getting into the word. Uh, I've only got you for about an hour or so every Sunday. We've got you for about an hour on Wednesday, but there's five other days of the week that you've got to get into the word and read the word and get into it for yourself. And um, so the spiritual realm is very real. And what we're talking about, these things, you're a new creation, your spirit, new, everything you ever need. You're not adding to it. It's absolutely perfect. The, the power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is there. 
So the spirit, spirit realm is real. Now, I was talking about last week about, uh, well, you can't see it. But you know what was unseen, what is unseen, created what is seen. God is a spirit. You're a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. You need to quit just looking at yourself as a body. You need to look at yourself as a spiritual being. I, have, I am a spirit. This right here is just transportation. Some of us has got faster transportation. Some of us has got bigger transportation. But it's just transportation. This is, this is going on, and your, your, spirits, your spirit, it's not dying. It's alive and well. Amen. So I'd said something about seeing a, a demon one time because I was saying last week I was talking about Elisha and he said he prayed God opened up my servant's eyes so he can see that, that there's more with us than it's with them because they were surrounded and it didn't look good. It looked bad. And Elisha said open up his eyes so he can see. And he saw there was more with them than there was with, against them, more for them than against them. That's what Elisha said. And I was saying, if you could see into the spirit realm right now, what all you'd see. You know, you can't, I can't see radio waves, but I know they're here. And I can't see TV waves or satellite or whatever that is, but I know it's real because I watch, I have a television at home and you just hit that button and it comes on. It's there. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. So anyway, I was telling a story one time. <clears throat> well, I mentioned last week about seeing a demon one time. So a couple people said they want to hear that story. Well, I'm laying in the bed, sound asleep. And in our old house, you went down the hall and uh, turned left. And that used to be um, a little bedroom. And then it went out to a carport. Well, we had to turn the carport into a bedroom because we had a herd of kids and didn't have anywhere for them to sleep. So we would go, that bedroom then become like this little computer room and just whatever ended up in there, you know. And you went down a couple of steps into our bedroom. Our bedroom door stayed wide open. That other room, the door stayed wide open. The bathroom light stayed on, but the door was shut with just a little crack. So you just had a, enough light to see. Because, you know, kids come in there 11, 12, 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, you know. Uh, they're just little things, and they get out of the bed sometimes to come in there. And so uh, and that was Jackie's thing. I was like, cut the lights off, shut the door, and lock it. It's, they'll be there in the morning, you know. And all of them was different. You know, uh, when Seth was a little squirt, if he, if it, let's just say he had an upset stomach, you know, he wasn't feeling good, well, he had to come in there and wake everybody up and let us know. Kyle. He wake up in the middle of the night, throw up all over himself, get up, change his clothes, clean himself up, uh, go get, go find him a new blanket and get back in the bed. I'm talking about just four or five years old. Seth, we had to alert the whole city <laughs> to let everybody know. Call the prayer line. But anyway, that light would shine in so we could see who's coming. <clears throat> I'm asleep. Jackie's awake. I was probably snoring. And uh, all of a sudden, that whole doorway went completely black where there was no light shining in. It's just a wall of black. And she said, you know, um, after, after this, we know now why people uh, draw the picture of the Grim Reaper. Because she said it looked like the Grim Reaper minus the, 
the, uh, yeah, that thing. <laughs> and it just came uh, towards her until it was over. And um, so somewhere between seeing it and uh, it, it coming towards her, she just starts screaming this blood-curdling yell like I've never heard in my life. Keep in mind, I'm sound asleep. Out. Sound asleep. I go from sound asleep to the loudest scream uh, that I've ever heard. And it wasn't a scream like she just saw a mouse run across the floor. This was where all dying scream. So as a man, and a very protective man, I come out of the bed thinking someone's in my bedroom, <clears throat> I mean, to, to kill us. And they've attacked my wife. I had to see them. It's dark. So the first thing I did was run, turn the light on, and I'm ready now to fight. And there's nobody there. I'm looking around. And she's looking with this look on her face like they were just here. I said, what the heck are you doing? You about busting my eardrum. You about gave me a heart attack. My heart's beating out of my chest. I mean, out of my chest. And, uh, and she began to tell me, you didn't see nothing. You had a dream. Anyway, she was sitting there thinking, was it a dream? I thought I was awake. And she's confused. So anyway, we get back in the bed and cut the lights off. And I'm laying there, doing 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 do heart. And it starts to go back down. Next thing you know, I, and she didn't even tell me what she saw now. I didn't even know what she saw. She just said some black figure. She didn't give me the details. Anyway, I'm laying there. I don't even remember she told me what she saw. I, can't, I think I was too mad because I thought she'd had a dream, and I don't think I had any details. I think I was just ready to shut up and go back to bed. I wasn't as nice thing as I am now. And um, anyway, I'm going to speed this thing up. All of a sudden, there's this big black object in front of me, and I can't really just, it's hard to describe the feeling of death, but it felt like death. Like, if you can describe death, that's what it felt like. It was cold, the creepiest, most terrible feeling you can feel. Um, and it was just coming towards me. And I felt it at my feet. And it felt like weight was mashing down on my feet and my ankles and coming up my shins and getting heavier and heavier. And as it came up, it's just like suffocating me, coming up my body. It's coming towards me. So I said, <laughs> I said, hey. She said, yeah. I said, what'd that thing look like? And she said, why? And I said, because it's in here. <laughs> but it didn't leave. It was just there, and it was coming on up. And uh, she said, you got to tell it to leave. And I, and I said, now, this is years ago. I didn't know then what I know now, but I knew enough. And so I, I was going to say, Lord, your word says, at the name of Jesus, the demons have to flee. But as soon as I said, Lord, your word says, she said, you got to tell it to leave in the name of Jesus. And I was thinking, well, if you know so much, why don't you tell it to leave yourself? And I could have kept sleeping. But I did. I told it to leave in the name of Jesus. And even that, 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 that weight and that feeling of death had made it up to about here, and it started to go the other direction. 
the other direction. I just kept saying it over and over and over and over and over. This object went over to uh, the windows, turned around, looked at me. I saw its ugly face. I'll never forget it. It smiled at me and went out that window, went through that glass. And as soon as it did, good Lord's my witness, that dog, my dog started barking. True story. Why did it come in there? Was I playing with Ouija boards? Was I living in sin? No, I'll tell you, I was living as good then as I ever have because I didn't have a lot of work. You know what I did all day long? Read the Word of God. I had eight Bibles. That's before iPhones. The reason I got a fancy phone is because somebody said, look, you can look up. Actually, it was Jay Sanderson. He said, you ain't got to have eight Bibles. He said, you can get one of these phones. You can have every translation right here. I said, you're kidding. I went and got me one the next day. But I have Bibles laid all over my bed. My grandma gave me some, and church had given me some. I had bought some. I got one when I graduated, and I'd be reading in every translation. I was in it. Now, why that thing showed up, I don't know. But I can guarantee you the spirit realm's real. And if you could see into the spirit realm, you'd see a lot of things, some that make you smile and some that may uh, startle you. Demons are real. Angels are real. All these things I'm talking about is real. Now, I'm talking about the spirit realm and, and making getting things into the natural now. Being built up and rooted and grounded in the word and living by faith and not walking by sight, but living by faith, walking by faith. You know what? Faith is the bridge between the spirit and the natural. Everything that you need is in the spirit. You want to get it to come to the natural? There's a bridge. It's called faith. Faith is a conduit. That's how you're going to get it to go from there to here. Faith's not going to twist God's arm. He's not going to do something that he hasn't already done. He's not going to pro provide something that he hasn't already provided. It's already been provided. It's already been given to you by the grace of God. It's through faith that we receive what's been provided by grace. We've been saved by grace through faith. It's faith. And faith is the bridge. Or we'll say faith's the conduit, just like Alabama Power has provided electricity, and there's a bridge between uh, the power plant and here. And it's wire. Or we'll just say conduit. That'll make it easy. And that conduit runs through here, and you just flip a switch on, and the lights come on. It's a glorious thing. But it's faith that is the bridge. And like I say, faith's not going to get God to do something that he hadn't already done. If it's been provided to you by the atonement, it's yours. Praise the Lord. So some people say, well, why, why am I not seeing it in the natural? Is it sin? Is sin stopping uh, this thing from flowing? Well, your sin's already been forgiven, past, present, and future. People say, how could your sins be forgiven past, present, and future? Well, if they weren't, you couldn't be saved. You couldn't be forgiven because Jesus went to the cross and died for your sin 2,000 years before you were even born. So your sins have been forgiven past, present, and future. Is sin stopping uh, God from flowing? No, God's already flowed. He's already hung on the cross. He's already been victorious. Satan's already been defeated. We're not praying for victory or praying from victory. But what sin does do is give a Satan a stronghold in your life. Will that hold things up? Absolutely. If Satan's got a stronghold in your life, because sin is basically cooperating with the devil. 
And you don't want to give the devil a stronghold in your life. Let's, example, you've been praying for something, been praying for something, you haven't seen it. You say, well, I've got this sin in my life. Well, it's like this. Man, my back sure is hurting. It is hurting. Go to the doctor. It's hurting. My back's hurting. Well, you're 100 pounds overweight. So go and pick you up a sack of cement. Me and Patrick carry cement all the time. We get 80-pound bags. It ain't a lot of fun. The boys have been helping us this summer. That's a lot more fun. <laughs> no, Kyle, he'll pick up two at a time. He's carrying 160 pounds. He only weighs 125. That's pretty impressive. And I'm like, hey, free gym membership, man. Get it, boy. Getting paid to work out. But carry that around all day long. Yeah, your back's going to hurt. We're out of breath. It's going from the truck over to the hole we're going to pour it in. But carry it around all day long. Well, no wonder your back's hurting. Well, you need to lose 100 pounds. Back won't hurt. But if you're going by McDonald's every day and getting a Big Mac, large fry, Diet Coke, and apple pie, and you're just shoveling it in, and you're not doing anything to manage your weight, you're going to keep, you're cooperating with those calories, you're cooperating with the Big Mac. Your back's going to continue to hurt because you're, you're, you're giving it a stronghold. Do you understand? Well, you, same thing happens in the spiritual. We give Satan a stronghold by having sin in your life. You're just opening the door. And trust me, he's waiting to come in. He just needs a little crack to slither through. I had a snake slither through a crack in my house. Preached on it many times. Because it's a good example of Satan. Just a little crack. He came on in the basement, through the den, up the stairs, down the hall, in the kids' room, up in the sock drawer, and nestled down. Two of them. Bed it down. And they'll do, Satan will do the same thing in your bedroom, <laughs> in your sock drawer. He's in the sock drawer looking for that your little money stash you got in there. I should have gave that secret away. See, if y'all ever rob me, y'all going to be looking in my sock drawer. <laughs> y'all young people don't know nothing about that. Not that I'm old. If y'all swapping them cards, I'm like, I'm hiding this cash somewhere else. Or my wife don't know where it's at. <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. She knows where most of it is. <laughs> but you're going to you're gonna have to be Intentional. You're going to have to intentionally say, I, I can't eat that. Or this pain's going to continue. And you could use examples for days and days and days. Y'all get the point. You could take finances, for example. And you can cooperate uh, with the devil. And you can do nothing. But you know what? Uh, zero times 100 is still zero. In other words, you can lay on the couch and wonder why your bills aren't being paid and why your needs aren't being met. Because zero times 100 is zero. Zero times anything, zero. The zero being what you're putting into this thing. Amen. Oh, me. Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter and the 18th verse. I read a lot in that this week. It says he gives you the power to get wealth. That The power to get wealth, he has given it to you. But you will have to do something. You will have to be intentional. Now, you can have the welfare mentality if you like, and you're never going to get ahead that way. In 2 Thessalonians, I read this morning, uh, again, in the third chapter and tenth verse, here's what it says. No work, no eat. If a man don't work, 
He don't eat. But then it goes on to say, but everybody seems to be busybodies. They busy doing something. Amen. So it's, it's a welfare mentality. That's, 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 that's going to be the title of today's sermon. Don't be a welfare Christian. Because see, the welfare mentality is I don't have to do anything. I can just stay right here, and the government's going to take care of me. They're going to send me a check every month. Why in the world would I want to go out and flip a hamburger or go out and get a job making minimum wage when I can just stay here and make that much or more by not even working? And I'm not saying if you're on welfare and I'm condemning you, hey, it's for crisis situations, but actually if the church did what they were supposed to do, we wouldn't need the government to take care of people. We've got a man here that got hurt. You know what? Our church takes care of him every single a month, every month. His name's Stuart. Whew. Every month. I, why the government don't help him, I don't know. I know they've tried. I don't even care if the government's helping him, because we're helping him. Every month. Praise the Lord. The Lord just keeps providing to us, and we keep providing to him. But anyway, this welfare mentality is I don't have to work. They'll provide for me. And uh, unfortunately, people think that they're outsmarting the government or you're outsmarting the state and you're getting unemployment. You're not outsmarting anybody. You're holding yourself down. You'll never rise above that. You'll never be prosperous. You'll, you'll, you'll never have the money that you always wanted to have. You're going to be right there your whole entire life. You're never going to rise above it. The government's holding you right there. You get that same check every month. There is no extra. You're not going to rise above it. It's a welfare mentality. You don't need to have that with Christianity. Let them pray. Let Granny pray. My wife will pray. My husband will pray. Oh, the pastor, he'll do it. Oh, they'll get them saved. I'm just going to chill out right here. No, you, got, you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. You know, people that are on welfare, and like I said, I'm, that's bad times. That's what it's for. Crisis situations. It's not for. It's not godly. It's not for long term. It's not a godly setup because it holds you down. But people think, well, I can just do better off doing this, and I could go and flipping burgers. Not true at all. Because if he's gonna bless your hand for working, then he's gonna bless your hand for working. You could be the best burger flipper they've ever seen up there, the best drive-through lady that I've ever seen in my entire life. Well. I hadn't been there in several years, but she used to work at Jack's. And she got her rag out, and she wiped the Cokes off. And Chick-fil-A's got the best drive through in the world, but they still have Coke running all down the sides of those cups, and they hand it to you, and I just hold it a lot of times when it's real bad. And I said, you all have any napkins? And I'll try to do it in front of them to, like, give them a clue. I don't want that old thing in my all that syrup in there, but that lady would clean it off. And every Christmas, I gave her a card, and I put money in there, and I said, you're the best drive through lady I've ever seen in my life. Now, I don't know if she still works there or not, but what I'm saying is you could end up owning a McDonald's. You could end up owning a franchise. What better person to do it than somebody that's been in the business and learned it? saying, God will bless you. He'll send the right person through the drive-thru that'll recognize how good of a drive-thru lady you are who owns a big business and say, hey, would you like to come work for me? God moves in mysterious ways. When it's not up to us to figure it out, it's just us to obey this word. And you can apply this same thing to marriage, like I said, being intentional, intentionally planning dates and time and this, that, and the other. You 
you're not putting in, in, anything into your marriage, zero times a hundred zero. You got to put something into it. Amen. Amen or oh man. I just don't know why this marriage ain't working. I just don't know what's well, what you putting in it. Hmm. Oh my or oh my. So me for some people. In Luke, I think I can quote it, but I'm going to turn to it. In the sixth chapter, I don't have this one in my notes there, but it's okay. I know where it's at. Sixth chapter, the 38th verse. It says, Give, and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Well, men, give unto your bosom. For the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, people use this all the time talking about money. But it's odd, the whole chapter leading up to it is talking about loving people, talking about forgiving people, talking about loving the enemies, being merciful, judging not, condemning not, forgiving. Then it says giving, it'll be given back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaking over, men, give unto your bosom. Now, you, it could be applied to finances as well because guess what? You sow and then you reap. But then he goes on talking about the blind leading the blind. And why are you looking at a speck in your brother's eye? And does a, a, a bad tree bear good fruit? And does a thorn uh, produce uh, figs and things along that, those lines? That's what the Word of God says. Well, when I'm talking about being intentional and putting something into it. What you put into it is going to be given back to you. Good measure, pressure down, shaking together, running over with men, give under your bosom. In other words, when it says men, give under your bosom, I've never had a check mailed to me that said, God, a kingdom of heaven with an address and signed by God. A man always came up to me and gave me money. A man came up to me last Sunday and gave me money for my vacation. This is a, what a blessing. God didn't mail it to me. But God sent it to me through a man because he used that man as a bridge and he'll use you as a bridge, but you're going to have to cooperate with God, not cooperate with the devil. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And we're supposed to be conduits. I was talking about faith being a conduit, going from the spiritual to the natural, but you know you are a conduit and I'm a conduit as well. And you need to hear from the Lord so you'll know who to give to. You'll know what to do. You'll know what to say. You'll know a lot of things. One time me and my grandma was at Cracker Barrel. Lord spoke to me. He said, give that lady $100. And uh, so she came around, and I gave her $100. And I told my grandma, I said, the Lord just told me to give her $100. I don't even hesitate. Like, Heck no, I ain't hesitating. Mm -mm, $100 ain't nothing compared to what he's got, what he's already given me. What he's already given me. Who cares about what I'm going to get? I already got more than I'd ever deserve in 10 lifetimes. Amen. Why would I withhold a measly little $100? Anyway, I gave that gal that $100, and she said she prayed that morning because she didn't have enough money to pay her rent. And the tips had been really crappy. That was her words. Crappy that morning. Bunch of cheapskates up in there. But now she had enough money to pay her rent. Well, I knew right then, well, the Lord told me, uh, man, it feels good to be conduit. It feels good to be conduit. When you hear the voice of the Lord, it feels really good. It feels really good. 
And I hear people say, I don't hear from God. And um, I don't know how to hear from God. And you say, you hear from God. And I hear other people say they hear from God. And I hear people say, um, you know, they don't know anything. People are excited in church, and they don't understand why they're excited. They don't feel any excitement. And all things along this line, let me tell you, you're not alone. Because I've been in churches and preached where people... They wouldn't know the anointing if it come through the door in form of a sledgehammer and hit them out between the eyes. That's just the truth. I've been in a service before in South Alabama. I was getting ready to go preach. Praise and worship was so anointed. It was so good. I'm not going to tell the story, but things began to happen. And I'm telling you, tears began to flow. I, I couldn't help it. I'm not a crier. Ask anybody I know. When I was a kid, my friends would say, you got to cry or your eyes are going to dry up. I just wouldn't cry. And, um, but nothing, there's some things that makes me cry. That's the anointing, the move of the, the Spirit, and when I see a little kid going without something. That gets to me. That gets to me. But I usually don't do it in public. I just go out by myself somewhere. <laughs> Hold it together till you get walk away, you know what I mean? But you want to feel it, you want to experience it, you want to hear from God. Well, if they were having a concert down there at the Civic Center, and my favorite band was playing, I'm not going to sit on my couch here in Gardendale and say, hey, y'all be quiet. Shh. Y'all hear anything? No, I don't hear nothing. No? You're going to have to get in your car. You're going to have to drive down there, park that thing. Go in, get up there close so you can hear it. And when you come out, just hope the wheels and tires are still on the thing. <laughs> True story. You know, it's been real. But you're going to have to get close if you want to hear it. If me and Trent's going to carry on a conversation, I've got on a microphone right now so he can hear me, but we don't get out there 50 yards from each other and talk back and forth. We get up here and get close. You know, don't get too close. Don't get in my bubble right here. You know, that's a hint for some people. But don't get in the bubble. I'm not worried about six feet. About three feet's good. You know, don't get so close I can smell your breath. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to smell my breath either. I'm joking, but I'm being serious. You got to get close. You got to get close. If I want to sit on the couch and watch <laughs> gun smoke, I like it. My wife doesn't care about it, but I like it. I like the Virginian, and um, <laughs> I watch it every night at the beach. Gun smoke. It's good. They got some good stuff in there. I'm serious. I heard Matt Dillon say this. He's talking to a murderer, and he said, "Live by the sword, die by the sword." He said, "Yeah." He said, "Yeah, um, Dillon." He said, "But that applies to you too." And he said, "Well, that's okay. I'm not afraid to die because I'm not a murderer." What he was saying is, "I'm a righteous man. I'm not afraid to die." See, gun smoke's a good show. <laughs> but if I want to sit on the couch and snuggle with her, if I want to touch her. I mean, I'm going to have to go in there and get on the couch with her. I'm not going to do it from the bedroom. We ain't going to snuggle for two different rooms. We ain't going to get too close. Y'all following me? 
There has to be some closeness. So what I'm saying is you've got to get close to the Lord. You can't be the welfare mentality. I can't get close for you. My grandma can't get close for me, and I can't get close for you. Your wife can't get close for you. You've got to get close. You've got to intentionally get close to the Lord. You've got to spend some time with the Lord. You're going to have to get in the Word of God. You're going to have to read it. You're going to have to pray. You need to be in church every chance you get. Praise the Lord. That's one thing the Lord woke me up about this morning is it, it's not taken serious. This thing's not taken serious. And I went and read where he says, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. Oh, I wanted to. I wanted to. I was like a mother chicken and wanted to bring her chicks in, but you wouldn't let me. And then I went on to read the next chapter, and it'll scare you. If you're not living right, it'll scare you. It didn't scare me, but it scared me for some other folks because I know, hey, isn't, we're not that far away. If, if you think that there's not a prophecy that needs to be fulfilled, Jesus can come right now. It, it can be tonight. It can be tomorrow. Don't think anything else has to be fulfilled. The time is probably more near than it's ever been. Well, of course it is. Every day it gets closer, doesn't it? And I'm not an end times preacher, but I'm not a fool neither. And I was reading that scripture, and he and the Lord's talking about just not taking it serious. And it's, one, it's a conversation me and my wife are having. This, this ought to be serious. You ought to come here. This ought to be serious. It ought not be a hit or miss. Come this week, miss three weeks, come back in a week or miss. You need to be here. You need to be in the Word. It's not a, you shouldn't miss a day or two or three or four of prayer or in the Word. It needs to be in you on a daily basis. It needs to be serious. It needs to be serious. It was my idea to get donuts almost five years ago. I went to the store. I bought them myself. I walked in there. I bought those donuts. I came out with them. Sometimes me and Jackie went together. Sometimes she went. But most of the time, I was going and buying the donuts. My idea. Those donuts have become a big distraction. Because instead of people in here doing praise and worship, because that's your time to praise and to worship. You're praising him and you're worshiping him for what he's already done for you. We're giving back to him. We're out there snacking on donuts and honey buns and Swiss cake rolls and all that other stuff. Would you go into a job hoping to get hired and show up 10 minutes late and sit down there at the guy that's going to hire you with a cup of coffee and a donut and say, what's up? Now, you better be there about 30 minutes early. You better have that. Don't go in there with a cup of coffee and a donut. You need to go in there and be serious because this man's fixing to hire you. You ever see football players walk out on the 50-yard line? They're going to flip the coin, and they got a, a pre-workout drink out there and a protein bar. No, they're out there. Their mind is on the game. Whether we kicking or we receiving, we fix to rip somebody's head off. That's what they're thinking. And I got nothing against donuts and all that. I ate it every Sunday <laughs> before church. Because when I come in here, it ain't donut time. It's praise and worship time. It's getting on, spend some time with Jesus time. And I don't take it lightly. You shouldn't take it lightly. It should be the most serious thing in your life. Spending time with the Lord, your relationship with Jesus should be more serious than your relationship with your husband, your wife, your children, your job, or anything else. He needs to be A number one. Your wife and husband, number two, your kids, number three, and so on and so forth. He's got to be number one. 
If you're married in here and you want to get closer to your wife, I can tell you how you get closer to your wife. You want to get closer to your husband, I'll tell you how to get closer to him. Get your piece of paper out, draw you a triangle, put your circle over here, a circle over here, and a circle at the top, which is a triangle. Man at that side, woman at that side, Jesus at the top. Man focus on Jesus, woman focused on Jesus. The closer they get to Jesus, the closer they get to each other. That's a happy marriage. But most of the time, he's focused on what she's not doing right, and she's focused on what he's not doing right, when you need to be focused on Jesus. Oh, I love him. I love Jesus. I just don't love her. Well, you lied. You love her is loving him. How do you show people that you love him? You love them. Love them. You love him. That's scriptural. We need to spend some time in the Word. You don't need to miss Sunday school. You need to be in there. It's so quiet in here. You need to be in there. You're going to stand before God one day and get to answer for all the things you did or didn't do. I don't want to be before God and go, well, yeah, well, the reason I wasn't uh, in there is because, I mean, those Krispy Kremes, they were calling my name. I'm joking, but I'm being serious. This needs to be real. He, we need to give him reference. People have lost their fear of the Lord. Sin has become trivial. It's not that big of a deal anymore. It is a big deal. The things of God have become trivial where they're not a big deal. That's the biggest deal. A closeness. A closeness. And I know we have greeters. And I set it up like this years ago. Stay out there in the foyer. Greet people. And they stay out there during praise and worship, greeting people that come in late. I'm telling you, news flash right here to all the greeters. Don't, if people come in late, let them greet yourselves. I wouldn't miss the opportunity to be in here and praise and worship is what I'm saying. I wouldn't miss it. I wouldn't miss it. I wouldn't miss the opportunity to be in here under that anointing. I wouldn't miss the opportunity to be praising and worshiping Jesus. You're singing songs to him. It's not songs, it's praise and worship. If you're looking at it as, well, that's just songs, I just came for the word, well, you need to read your Bible. It makes it very clear about praise and worship. It's very important. And I hope I hadn't upset anybody about the donuts. Y'all eat all you want. Just don't put that before the Lord. When that countdown's on, I'm telling you, we gotta get serious. I try not to even talk to people on Sunday morning. I wake up, I'm in a zone Saturday. No matter what I'm doing, if I'm out riding, I am th I'm thinking about Sunday, next Sunday when I leave here today. That's the truth. I'm thinking about it. It's on my mind all week, driving down the road at work. I'm thinking about it. I try to stay in the Word. I try not to be distracted, but of course distractions come. But on Saturday night when it's bedtime, I'm telling you I'm 100% in the zone. I wake up in the zone. I try not to get distracted by anything. I try not to have many conversations with people, not because I don't want to talk to you, because I don't want distractions, and I don't want you to tell me something about your life. And The Lord may have the answer during the sermon, but you're going to think the only reason I preach what I preach is because you told me what you told me before church. And I want you to hear from God, not from me. 
And if y'all have been coming here, you know I don't get on the soapbox and uh, just... Anybody can preach what you're doing wrong. Anybody can preach sin. Anybody can preach that. I mean, that's not going to help you. I don't just come and... I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to tell you, this is important. This is important. It needs to be important. How do you make it important? It's not important to me. I don't feel it. I just... You're going to have to force it. You're going to have to force it. You're going to have to force yourself getting into this Word of God and reading this Word. You've got to force yourself to pray. Force yourself to get out of that bed and get to church. Force yourself. If you've got to force it, force it. Let me give you a comparison. If I went to the gym in the morning, I will absolutely have to force myself to go because I don't want to go. I don't want to get up that early. I don't want to go up there. I know it's going to hurt for days to come. But I, if I want to get in shape like I have been before in my life, it's been a minute, I'm going to have to force it. I'm going to have to force it. And then the next day, I'm going to have to force it even more. And on the, about the second or third day when it is really hurting, now it's all hurting because I've done worked out chest and arms and backs and legs, and I'm hurting. The only thing that's not hurting is my scalp. And as close as that haircut is, it may be hurting tomorrow when the sun gets beaming on it. I got my money's worth. That's all I'm going to say. You're going to have to force it. You're going to have to force it. But in time, you're going to start lifting more than you once could. You're going to start walking out feeling better than you were when you walked in. You're going to get on the scales, and you're going to be like, thank you, Jesus. I just lost some weight, some more weight, some more weight. You're going to be in the mirror flexing up, looking at yourself. You're going to like what you see. Y'all have all done it. I've done it recently, and I didn't like what I saw. <laughs> Just walk by the mirror like this. Get out of the shower, it's already fogged up. You can't see anything. You're good. But, but you're going to like what you see. You're going to like how you feel. Then all of a sudden, you're not going to have to force it. You're going to like it. I like this way this makes me feel. I like the way it looks. I like the way I look. My wife likes the way I look, which is really makes you want to go to the gym even more or vice versa. You all understand what I'm saying? It's a process. It's a process, and you may have to force it to begin with, just like you do working out. But we need to have a reverence and a, a fear of God. The fear of God is not, oh, I'm scared. I'm hiding in the closet scared. What is he going to do to me? Some people think that. Fear is respect, reverence. And like I said, people have lost their fear of the Lord. And, and they, it's like no respect, no reverence, big deal. It's just trivial. I had a guy tell me the other day, I was talking about spirit of fear. He said, there's only one thing you're supposed to fear. What's the Bible say about that? And I said, the Lord? I knew what he was going to say. He said, yeah, because he can take you out anytime he wants to. He's 100% dead serious. God's just going to, I mean, he just wakes up in a bad mood and just like, whoosh, take him out with a big lightning bolt or something. I mean, that's how messed up. I, one of these units is not working. I know I'm not the only one sweating. But um, I don't think Jesus had AC on Calvary, so just keep that in mind. Well, he didn't. 
In fact, he was beat to a pulp, and all the skin was beat off his body and bugs and flies and all kind of stuff just all over him, probably yellow jackets, horse flies biting on him. And he's just hanging up there, and we want to complain. Good grief. Right, I'm going to close with this. Talking about spiritual to the natural. Spiritual to the natural. And not giving Satan a stronghold. Taking these thing, this thing serious. Getting in the Word, staying in the Word. Getting in it and staying in it. Standing on it. People laugh, keep standing. You've done all you can do, keep standing. Amen. In Daniel, the ninth chapter, I want you to see this. It says, Now I, while I was speaking, praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God, for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. He says, At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. Then he goes on to tell him. So, don't you see, we started here in the 20th verse. He says, Now while I was still speaking. Now, while he was still praying, while he was still speaking, while he was still making supplication to the Lord, the answer came. Showed up right then. I've experienced that before. I sure have experienced that before. It's been good. But I've also experienced it where it took a minute. Now this, it says while he was still praying. So if you go back in the very first verse and you read all the way through there to about the 20th verse and you just read it and take it in, and you just can close your eyes and pretend you're, or, or not close your eyes, but just uh, in your mind, uh, like you're praying that prayer. It's going to take you about three or four minutes. Some of you may read faster, maybe two, maybe four for some. Let's just call it three. It's going to take you about three minutes. So his answer came in three minutes. Because while he was still praying, in other words, the book of Daniel, the ninth chapter, that is his prayer. He is praying that prayer. That Every verse leading up to this is him praying the prayer. And while he was still praying, the answer came. I like those. I love those. That's good stuff, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Sometimes it takes a little longer. Now, the tenth chapter of Daniel, the very next chapter, Starting in the 12th verse, Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, from the first day to the, uh, that that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which is Satan, uh, the demonic realm, withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, so it's Gabriel and Michael here, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So in other words, in the ninth chapter, he prayed, and it came in three minutes. Why did it take three minutes? Why didn't it take three seconds? I don't know. Maybe Gabriel was on the other side of the universe or the galaxy taking care of something else, and it took him three minutes. Maybe he had to pack a toothbrush. I have no idea. It took him three minutes. Three minutes is not a long time. Actually, that sounds pretty nice. 
when you're praying and believing on something and it's just a three-minute wait. Well, so for some people, that wouldn't be fast enough, I know. But right here in the 10th chapter, the very next chapter, it says it took 21 days. That's where you have the Daniel fast, where people do a 21-day fast. I've done it three times. The first two times I did it, I had no idea why I was doing it. I was just doing it because the church was doing it. Sound like a good idea. Lose some weight, a little challenge. I'm up for it. Let's do it. And I remember a guy who was working with me who was coming to church. He's a brand-new Christian. Or he probably wasn't even saved, just brand-new into the church. And we're riding down the road. He goes, why don't we do that fast for 21 days? I don't know. That's what Daniel did, 21 days. He said, yeah, but the preacher said it took him 21 days to get his answer. He goes, that don't mean it's going to take me 21 days to get my answer. I might get my answer in just like two or three days. And I was like, that's an awfully good point. I can't argue with that. And then as you read here, in the ninth chapter, it took him three minutes. In the tenth chapter, it took him 21 days. What is, but, but the same thing happened. As soon as he prayed, as soon as the word went forth, it said God sent him. But he was held up in the spiritual realm. There was a battle going on. You know what got him here? Not giving Satan a stronghold. Not giving up, not quitting, and going, well, I tried it, didn't work. Because I've had people tell me that before. I know a fellow that had a diagnosed with something, life, life of it, no cure. And he said, I, I tried that word stuff, and it just didn't work. Well, what'd you quit for? Well, you didn't believe it if you quit. This ain't something you try, it's something you do, it's something you live. Just like going to the gym and getting in shape. You don't try it, you do it. You're going to have to do it. Intentionally, get that booty out of the bed and go on up there and do it. You're going to have to. Amen. Talking about people being bridges and prayers being answered. Um, I'll tell you this real quick. Uh, two things real quick. Years ago, I, was, I remember I was sitting right back there in the very back row. I was trying to get as far away from the preacher as I could. And I thought he was talking to everybody but me, right? And uh, I know y'all don't think that, but I um, was sitting back there, and I, I, got, I got sick. I started breathing. Uh, my chest tightened up. started having an asthma attack. It got worse. I thought, well, I'll wait till after church. It got so bad, I thought, I'll be dead after church. I mean, I'm in a bind here. I mean, this thing's come on strong. And so to my brother-in-law, he loved to tailgate people just in and out of traffic, not Josh. He's like 20 miles under the speed limit. I mean, seriously, it's, he's, you think it's a funeral procession to get up there, it's just him. But, uh, but Wes, he's driving fast. Well, I'm about to die. All kidding aside. This is the day he's like driving Miss Daisy. He's just cruising. And I'm like, dude, you got to give it the gas, man. I'm not going to make it. I was, I was scared. I'm serious. If you can't breathe, uh, just let somebody go stick your head underwater and hold it for a while. That's what it felt like. You might be getting out of the hospital. And uh, <clears throat> Jackie was uh, up there in the booth. And Todd was preaching, and he, uh, he, he, he preached on marriage that day. And he said, if you have any marriage issues, come on, come down, or something along those lines. I don't know the exact everything, but all I know is the Lord told her to get a prayer cloth and bring it up here and tell Todd to pray for it and bring it down there and give it to me. So she said, well, people's going to think we have marriage problems. I can't. He, I can't do that. 
he, and she said, she told the Lord, tell, tell the preacher to say specifically if he may need healing. Then I'll go down. He said, I don't have to tell him. I done told you. So she got on up. She came down those stairs. She came up. Could get a prayer cloth. She told him what was going on. Of course, everybody thought, oh, Lord, what's Red done now? They have marriage problems. I know it's his fault. <laughs> That'll keep you from coming to the altar, what people think. She brought that prayer cloth down there to me. Before she got there, the guy said, you'll be here during Christmas, two days before Christmas. And I said, I ain't going to be here, Christian. I got toys to put together. I mean, Santa Claus got toys to put together. I got to be there to let him in. And um, he's got a tough job. He's got a tough job. I said, I won't be here. And he said, you'll, if you leave, you'll die. What he said. And that's how bad my breathing was. Probably the worst I ever had in my whole life. And I've had some doozies. They put me on them auction tents when I was a kid, left me there for a week. And I, I was in bad shape that day. <clears throat> she brought that cloth down there and gave it to me. And not only was uh, I not there for Christmas, I wasn't even there the day before Christmas. And in fact, I didn't even have to get another breathing treatment. Didn't even have to get another breathing treatment. She was the bridge. So what I'm saying is, sometimes things are held up because of other people aren't obedient to the voice of the Lord. You don't need to be one of those people that hold up somebody else's answers because you're not being obedient. That lady at Cracker Barrel, I could just kept my hundred and went on down the road. You can be a bridge. You can be a bridge. <clears throat> years ago in Sunday school, or before Sunday school, uh, years ago when I was um, around 19, I broke my legs really bad, really bad. One worse than the other, just terrible bad plate screws, spirally, rips, ankleized socket, tore all the ligaments, all jacked up. Anyway, got back on my feet, and two or three years later now, I'm still hurting. It hurt every night, swelled up, big, throbbed, I had to sleep a certain way, prop it up. It wasn't great, and then you get up in the middle of the night to run the restroom or get up the next morning. I mean, it takes you a while to get going. I was young. So I'm in Sunday school over there one day, and Miss Sanders teaching. It's the same Miss Sander that teaches now over there. Same one. Only difference is that she knows more now than she did then, and she knew a whole lot then. She's probably forgot more than I know. And she said, uh, something about does anybody need prayer for healing? And I said, yeah, I do. This old ankle of mine hurts every day, every night. So she said, everybody stand up, put me in the center, held hands, prayed for me, went home, woke up the next morning. I wasn't limping. Went to bed that night, and it wasn't swollen. Woke up the next morning, wasn't limping. Went to bed that night, wasn't swollen. <clears throat> That's been about 20-something years ago. But you know what? It sure wasn't my faith. There was a bridge there. I didn't know diddly squat. She was the bridge. But you know what? I'm not on that welfare anymore. I'm not a welfare Christian. I've got into the Word for myself. I've got to take a hold of that. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> you 
you haven't seen your answer and it's been a week or two or three or four or a month or six, just quit, give hope, lose hope, give up faith, quit standing on the word, don't quit. Stand on it. Don't stop. Stay on it. What else have you got? Anybody can quit. Ain't that what Bear Bryant said? And he's talking about a football game. We talking about life right here. I was working in a walk-in cooler one time. I've shared this story. I'm going to share it again, and then we're going home. And uh, there's all different rooms there. One of them was negative five. You're talking about cold. Goodness gracious. And I wasn't working in the negative five cooler, thank the Lord. But anybody that came down there to help me, or I would have to show something, I would pretend I was working in the negative five cooler, and I would carry them through it, and I'd start talking about all the stuff we need to do, and I'd make it long and drawn out. And... Of course, in their mind, they're thinking, I don't want this job. Negative five with this wind blowing, this windshield's no telling what. It's frigid. And if you walk in there just dressed like this, <laughs> it's brutal. So I had fun with people, right? I was working in this one. It was like 33 degrees. That was cold enough considering it was summertime. Hot, 95-degree summertime. And there's a big, tall building. And here's the roof. And then here's the wall. And about halfway down this wall was another roof. And on the roof of this building, there were men. And they were putting hot tar on the roof. And they had their shirts off. And they were up there putting this hot tar on, and they are just sweating. Can you imagine how hot it is putting hot tar on? It's 94 degrees plus the hot tar. And here's an eight-inch thick poured block wall. And on the other side of this block wall is negative five degrees. Now, I went in there dressed up like an Eskimo. Couldn't even move, so bundled up. Now, if I'd have went out there where they were, dressed like I was, I would have died of a heat stroke. If they'd have come in there where I was, dressed like they were, they'd have froze to death pretty quick. And I remember driving off in my truck that, that, that day looking at that building I had just came out of and those men thinking, those men are only eight inches away from freezing to death. And the Lord spoke to me instantly, and he said, so are my people. They're only, a lot of times they're only eight inches away and they don't even know it. What I'm talking about is a lot of times you're in prayer and that answer is just right there, just eight inches away, moments away, days away, weeks away, and we just quit. Just quit. Well, my point to all that whole story is Daniel's the example here. He didn't quit. He stayed with it. He stayed with the program. And then we find out why it was held up. There's a spiritual battle taking place. You may not see it, but it's out there. And what's going to bring it from the spiritual to the natural? Faith. Faith the bridge. And like we covered, you can also be a bridge for someone else, and that's enough information for one day. Y'all get anything out of it? Well, good. Anna, come on up and play. I'm fixing to send this home, but here's what I want to do.